So currently you are working on kind of like focusing a lot on health and wellness. Correct. Yeah. And how did you get into that? Uh, really, it all started, uh, to be honest, I got a little workout in one day with one of my friends and I realized how out of shape I was. At that time, I was like deep in glass blowing, and I was pretty much solely focused on that. I would go like long periods of time without eating just because I'd get so sucked into my work. And uh, it was just kind of an eye opener for me. And I realized that I need to get on my game and get in better shape. And I was always kind of interested in, uh, for a long time, I was, I've been interested in organic farming and like regenerative farming and natural health in that kind of regard, just as far as food goes. Um, which started quite a ways back actually after like a, a pretty heavy injury when I was like 16 is when I kind of started like paying more attention to what I was putting into my body, drinking a lot more water, you know, kind of just basics like that. And then, um, yeah, like I said, like fast forward a few years later, I, I worked out with one of my buddies and was struggling. So I was like, okay, I need to start, you know, giving this more attention and, and put more energy into my health and on a physical level, not just on what I eat, but also like getting stronger, getting more capable, you know, stuff like that. So that was a big part of it. Yeah. So getting started with nutrition, what would you say is a good way to start kind of changing your diet on a more healthy way, you know, for someone who's completely like yeah, fresh, brand new, yeah, fresh, I would say the most foundational principle that I could think of when it comes to health from a dietary food perspective is sticking with whole foods. Uh, right off the bat, you're going to feel a lot better if you just eliminate like processed foods. So, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, there's, there's basics. You got eggs, milk, meats, seafoods, chickens, you know, stuff like that. Your basic proteins, produce, fruits and vegetables. And then you have aisles lined with packaged foods, you know what I mean? And in order for those packaged foods to stay good, they have to load them up with all kinds of artificial ingredients and, you know, um, preservatives, artificial flavors and things like that, that just don't, that stuff has a, a really impact, a really negative impact on our, on our health, primarily on our gut health, which is kind of where everything else comes from. So right off the bat, a good way to start, whether you want to go veggie or you're cool with eating animal products and stuff like that, just focusing on whole food nutrition. Like I said, eating, you know, just whole foods. It comes from the earth. It's in its natural state when you go to the store and get it or from your farm, farmer's market, anything like that. Meat, fish, eggs, chicken, fruit, vegetables, milk, stuff like that. It's just exactly as it is when you got it from the earth, you know what I mean? Yeah. And how do you feel about like when people say, oh, meat is bad for you or it's not as good as people think or, you know, the whole like um, 
animal cruelty aspect of it. The animal cruelty aspect is definitely a big thing to take into consideration if you're going to be eating meat. Personally, I do not think that eating animal products is unhealthy. A lot of people have sort of that uh, moral dilemma with it. But in order to kind of, if you want to approach that, I think a big part of it is just, it's like it's like everything else is source was where those products are coming from because um i'm pretty stoked lately for the past like month or two i've actually been getting almost all of my meat from the farmers market so it's coming locally from grass-fed cows and you know eggs from chickens that have been pasture raised and that's a bit that's a big part of it because if you're if you're eating food from animals like cows and chickens for example that have been able to live free lives and roam out on open pastures like they have for thousands of years, kind of the way, you know, God and nature intended it. I think that's going to have a lot more life force to it, a lot more vitality. You know what I mean? Those animals lived a happier life. They lived a better life. And that kind of that energy transfers to you when you eat it versus eating foods that, you know, came from factory farmed, mass produced, mass produced factory farms, essentially, you know, animals that were taken through a a huge slaughterhouse process where they're just kind of treated like numbers, you know what I mean? Like assets versus actual living beings and creatures with lives and, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome perspective. And more and more you see like uh, whether it be Trader Joe's, Joe's, Whole Foods, Sprouts, like they all have options for 100% like grass-fed and uh, pasture-raised eggs, which if it's pasture-raised raised eggs, I know they have to have um, certain things that they have to do. They have to give them a certain acreage, right? And they can't like pack them. Same with cows. They have to like, when they say 100% legally, like they have to. So you know that, it, that that's true, right? Right. Yeah. That's a big part of it. So those are things you want to look for if you are open to eating animal products. And um, those things might be a little more expensive. But if you also think about the fact that it's not so much that that you could see it as either those things are more expensive or you could look at it like the other options are just cheaper because of the mass production. But yeah, things like that is something you want to look for. Grass fed, pasture raised. Those are those are labels you want to look for because there's yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of iffy things with labeling. They can get away with a lot of stuff, but those are pretty regulated. Yeah, because usually you want to look for a hundred percent or grass fed, grass finished, as opposed Correct. to yeah, because they they could do like grass fed, but that doesn't mean they finish with it. Meaning that they could fatten them up with like grain or put like other things in their feed. Yep. Yeah. Um. What's it called? And I know that you know there's an issue with like the whole like cruelty things, but then you also, there's articles out there that talk about, you know, some of like um, some of the plant products such as avocados and almonds that unfortunately, like they bring in a bunch of bees uh, and then the bees ultimately pass away. Right. As a result of pollinating, right. They're the, that, that crop. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a big dark side to a lot of agriculture, even outside of meat, right? animal yeah. farming. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to mass produced, like big ag in general, whether it's fruit, vegetable or animal, there's a lot of issues that come around, come along with that because what, what they're often doing is it's a, it's something called monocropping. 
So they'll plow an entire plot of land, you know, and that's another thing that a lot of vegans and vegetarians or people that are really, you know, anti-animal cruelty don't take into consideration when a big tractor comes through and plows a massive plot of land to plant soybeans and stuff like that they're taking out a lot of animal lives they're taking out all the insects all the moles and squirrels and you know snakes and gopher stuff like that there's a lot more to it than just you know cows and pigs and chickens there's also a lot of other animals that live in the dirt and you know call that their home that just get completely decimated when they plow land like that. And then that's on the animal side of things. It's also something to consider how much they're tearing apart the soil. You know what I mean? They're depleting the soil of all its vital nutrients. Yeah, by, you were saying uh, uh, monocrops, so, you know, right. one use. Yep, exactly, exactly. They plant a big crop of whatever it is, any kind of vegetable, whatever, soybeans, potatoes, whatever it is. And then they harvest it, they till up the soil, they do it again. And a lot of the times, you know, just because it's a vegetable doesn't mean it's healthier. Just because it's a plant doesn't mean it's healthy. A lot of the times those are inorganic. So they're being sprayed with glyphosate, Roundup, you know, things that not only poison the soil and, and make it devoid of nutrients, but then those plants suck those things up we eat them and then we're poisoning ourselves in turn. And I know like not all plants, but I think most plants, you know, they have like a defense mechanism to not be eaten. Like a lot of seeds are like meant not to be eaten because they're trying to get passed on. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a, like you said, it's a defense mechanism. Even, even a lot of vegetables have it. People don't realize that they have anti-nutrients, oxalates, uh, phylates, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, these things are, like you said, natural defense mechanisms that make these plants not as digestible for certain species. For instance, cows may eat graze on grass, you know what I mean? And vegetables may be good for them, but they also have seven stomachs to process all of these things. Our digestive system is, is a completely different thing. And so those things actually in large quantities can wreak havoc on our gut because it's not really designed or prepared to handle those large concentrations of anti-nutrients. And like you said, in seeds too, because those things want to be put back into the dirt so that they can grow into new plants and reproduce and, you know, carry on. Yeah. And how do you feel about like (laughs) plant-based meat? Uh, I think it's a complete psyop. I think it's a total scam. I think it's riddled with chem. Well, I don't think I know it's riddled. They're riddled with chemicals. They're, they're devoid of nutrients. It's not good for you. And I think it's honestly part of a way larger agenda to weaken people. Yeah, dude, I was hooked on that before. And then like, I was watching something on like YouTube and just like, they're all like, Oh yeah, just look at the ingredients next time. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, and then it was like soybean oil, all these like sunflower, like oil and all these like different oils. I'm like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound too healthy. No, it's not. And again, back to the production of it, you know, these things are made in massive factories. It's not like, like if you look at real meat, how cows graze and all that, like if it's done properly on a regenerative farm, that's good for the soil. Those cows are eating the grass, allowing it to grow back. They're pooping on the grass. It's fertilizing it. You know, these are good things. The whole idea of greenhouse gases from cow farts is is a joke because then those same people that use that argument are eating these you know, synthetic meat substitutes or whatever, impossible burgers and stuff. And that 
is produced, like I said, in a giant factory that's putting out all kinds of emissions that are definitely not good for the environment. And how does the product get to A to B? You know, they use like right. uh, freaking trains, they use um, airplanes, car, uh, trucks and stuff to get it from point A to B. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I um, personally, I think that all of those milk, egg, meat substitutes. I think it's a total sham. I think it's it's terrible for not only the health of our body as individuals, but the health of the planet as a much larger organism. Yeah. Dang. And also, like, I, I've been interested. I saw on your page, you posted raw milk. What's the difference between raw milk and just regular milk? So raw milk versus pasteurized milk retains a lot more of the vital nutrients that actually make it a superfood essentially, which is kind of a buzzword, but that make it more, you know, bioavailable, um, all the vitamins and minerals that are in it, digestive enzymes, stuff like that. It gets, when, when milk is pasteurized, it's heated and all those things are essentially burned off. And so that includes lactase, which is part of the reason why people think they're lactose intolerant is because they're, they're drinking pasteurized milk and eating dairy products that have been pasteurized and processed and no longer contain those vital nutrients. Like I said, a, a whole laundry list of vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, immunoglobulins, stuff like that, that make it beneficial for our gut health and our body. So that's, that's a, that's the main thing is that raw milk is just, it just exactly as it is out of the udder. It's refrigerated, but it's not heat heated or pasteurized in any way that would kill off all that beneficial bacteria in it yeah that's crazy man also what, what would you say are some of the like maybe some of the top like healthy looking food that's actually not really good for you that it's kind of like perceived as healthy do you have any in mind like bread i know is is a popular one depending on what i know sprouted bread is a, lot, a little bit better for you but even that is also bread yeah bread i don't i don't necessarily demonize bread mm. in general as a whole but we again with all of these things whether it's whether it's um meat or f- fruit or vegetable or anything like that grains you know bread, stuff like that, you got to look at the source and the the ingredients in it because bread is a processed product naturally. It's not something that just grows, right? We, we produce it as humans. And so when you look at a lot of packaged breads on the shelf in the supermarket today, they have their, they're fortified, the flowers fortified or enriched, it might say. So they add, you know, thiam, thiamine, niacin, which like, are natural vitamins, but the way they add them are synthesized versions. And so they even have, they'll put like iron in there, you know, and all these different things that people might look at that if they even know what those things are, they'll look at that and say, oh, it's, it's fortified with all these vitamins and minerals. And so it must be healthy, but that's not actually the case because the way that those vitamins and minerals are added, you know, in those isolated synthetic compounds, it affects our body in a completely different way. For instance, the iron, um, a lot of cereals, you can you can look at the ingredients list and they'll, they'll have iron. It's like, oh, great source of iron. But what that iron is, is actually tiny little metal shards of iron in the food. So if you, you know, break it up and then take a magnet to it, it's going to attract a bunch of little metal pieces, little iron. So it's not the same as the iron you get from eating like red meat, for instance, or beef liver or something like that. And then of course, there's also the, uh, the added sugars that are often 
put in, in a lot of store-bought breads. So I have, that's another thing I've been getting from the farmer's market and the quality is just night and day. I'll get sourdough bread specifically. And even before I was getting that from the farmer's market all the time, I would get sourdough bread from the store. And a lot of the times you can find an option that's just simple ingredients like wheat, barley, and then sourdough culture, salt, you know, water, simple like that, because, um, a lot of breads have a lot of unnecessary ingredients. That is what makes it unhealthy. It's not that bread is unhealthy in and of itself. It's all these added ingredients that kind of can mess you up. Dang. And what would you say are the the top foods that you would recommend to someone? The top foods? Well, I guess, again, I would just stick to whole foods. What I go with, and this is just me, you know what I mean? I, I'm not going to get into the whole vegan versus carnivore or anything like that because that's all up to personal choice. I would just recommend you stick to whole foods, unprocessed, the way it came out of the earth. My top foods, I like eggs, fruit of all kinds, you know, lots of berries, bananas, tropical fruits too, like mango, pineapple, papayas are good. And, um, Sourdough bread, sauerkraut is just fermented cabbage. That's really good for your gut. It's got really healthy probiotics. Yogurt's good. Raw milk, again, healthy for your gut. And then uh, I also drink bone broth regularly, which is, you know, that's loaded with all kinds of stuff too, like glycine. And um, I'm blanking on the other one right now. That's really good for joints and bone health and all that. It's like the main one, but I'm just blanking on the name of it right now. So yeah, eggs, fruit, sourdough, sauerkraut, bone broth, grass-fed ground beef or steak, pasture-raised chicken, turkey's good, um, potatoes, white rice. Again, you want to go organic when you can to avoid any kind of pesticides or anything else that they're spraying on that stuff. And that's pretty much it. Also, uh, a great source of omega-3s is from um, sardines. Oh, really? Yeah, sardines are a little rugged for some people because, <laughs> you know, they smell strong and they taste strong, but you can make them taste really good. I used to just neck them straight out of the can and I never had a problem with it because to me it was like taking my vitamins, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, sardines are, are, are good to eat on a regular basis too because unlike some of the larger fish like tuna, they're not loaded up with mercury and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So wild caught. And then also when you get the bone, bone in skin on sardines, there's a lot of calcium in that too. Whoa. And I heard there's omega-3s in eggs as well. Does yes. that occur naturally? Yes. Dang. Yep. Omega-3s, lots of good fatty acids, healthy cholesterol. Yeah. Dang, dude. Hmm. And in regards to like your physique, what do you do to like maintain it? Regular exercise yeah. and diet and exercise are are two things that really can't be divorced. They go hand in hand. So if you're, um, whether or not you're working out, you should be eating a healthy diet just for your overall health, both physical and mental. But then as far as physique and training, I mainly do calisthenics. I feel like it informs my jujitsu well, because I'm getting you know, better at moving my own body weight around, lots of push-ups, pull-ups, dips, stuff like that. And then lately I've also been adding weight to those body weight movements. And then I supplement the calisthenic stuff with some weightlifting as well. I love, I love the iron. It'll always be a part of my life. You know what I mean? So I usually do some accessory work with, with a barbell and some dumbbells as well. In addition to the body weight stuff. 
Yeah. Is it ever challenging for you to like, cause online now there's like every type of like health nutrition, whether they be don't eat bread, right? Is a common one. Don't eat like any grain, which that includes rice, but you include that in your diet. Like there's just so much information. Like it's kind of scary. Cause then you're like, okay, I can't eat this. Should I eat this? And then it says, I don't know. There's just so much information. Then you don't know where to go. Cause then doctors will just tell you, like show you that one chart, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the like food chart and stuff. Yeah. Like the classic food yeah. pyramid example. Yeah. Yeah. That, the food pyramid is completely upside down. That should be flipped. Yeah. It tells you to eat mostly grains with a small focus on, you know, animal proteins, which is completely backwards. But as far as all the, you know, all the information that's out there on the internet, it can certainly be overwhelming and confusing for someone who doesn't really have a, a, a deeper understanding of this stuff. So again, I know I've kind of repeated it a few times now, but I really would go back to just whole foods, keeping it simple. If you do that, it's really hard to lose because you're eating natural things that came out of the earth. It's the way, you know, nature, nature is perfect. It, nice. it produces everything that we need. You know what I mean? It, it, when it gets sort of hairy is when we start messing with things. Yeah. And I'm not saying that humans are evil and that everything we do, we, we've done some beautiful things. You know what I mean? Like bread's a beautiful thing. Some good hearty sourdough bread. Cheeses are something that we've done with natural products like yeah. dairy. So those things are perfectly fine. But if you have no idea where to start and you feel like you're overwhelmed and inundated with information that you see online, because you're right, there's tons of it. And some of it's very conflicting. I think the best place to start is to simply go with whole foods, whether you avoid meat or not. Yeah. I was about to ask like Mm -hmm. for vegans, like there's like options that aren't meat, right. Or like animal products. Of course. And what would you say for that? What would be a good source if you're trying to substitute for meat? It's hard. To, it's hard to really substitute for meat. That's the thing. So I think vegan, like uh, on a vegan diet, and I can only really speak to that so much because I've never really practiced that. Yeah. I've always kind of had a. I've always kind of taken a little bit from this, taken a little bit from that, and eaten you know foods from many different sources, animal and vegetable, and so I can't speak too much on the vegan thing. But one thing I can tell you for sure is if you're keen on eating a vegan diet, I would have to recommend avoiding those things like those those plant-based substitutes like we were talking about. You know what I mean? There's some product called Just Egg, which is completely ironic because there's no egg in it at all. And it's all soybean oil and, you know, nonsense, artificial ingredients that, you know. Impossible burgers. Yeah, all that stuff. I would just say avoid that if you can. If you're going to go vegan, stick to stick to fruits and vegetables, you know, things that come out of the earth naturally that aren't super processed and have a bunch of added ingredients. What about for protein? That's a that's a big thing, you know what I mean? That's a a big piece to the puzzle for the whole vegan vegetarian argument because it's going to be really difficult if not impossible to get a, a healthy natural source of of B vitamins and branch chain and complete branch chain amino acids from a, a complete vegetable diet. Yeah. And so again, I can't really speak too much to that because I've never practiced that. And also, no shame to like any vegans. It's just like um, you know, we're just uh, talking about like his lifestyle and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't. It's not my concern what someone else's choices are, and I don't. I'm not like 
against veganism or anything. Yeah. Everyone's free to make their own choices. It's just not personally what I find to be most beneficial for my own health and nutrition. I, I find a lot of benefit in um, in eating animal products as well, as long as they were sustainably, responsibly sourced and that, you know, those animals were able to live a natural life and be treated with respect as beings, living beings of their own. And uh, there's a whole, you know, spiritual aspect to it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was about to say, like, besides the physical, you said, like, mentally you feel sharper, you feel better, like, like I don't know if emotionally, but you said spiritually right now. Can you explain mm-hmm. some of that, how that has made you feel? Absolutely. I would say emotionally goes along with both physically and mentally. All those three things are very tied together. And then the spiritual component is certainly tied into those things as well. Although a lot of that, I feel like personally depends on, on your own practices outside of diet and fitness. And that's something you can carry into any of those things as well. So if you have a strong connection to God or to like, you know, source energy, the universe, whatever you want to call it, I feel like most of those terms are pretty interchangeable. Um, I feel like that can be transferred over to all of those things as well. For instance, and again, regardless of what it is that you're eating, whether it's plant or animal or any of that, praying over your food. And when you prepare it yourself, you know, thinking about everything that went into those food items being there in front of you today, that's huge. Giving, you know, really considering all of the, all of the earth's elements that went into those products being there in front of you, all of the human hands that it took, everyone's labor, everything that it took for that food to be in front of you on your plate, taking that into consideration, really, truly being deeply grateful for that and and expressing gratitude for the way that it's going to nourish you so that you can carry on your own life and be healthy and carry out your mission, whatever that is. I think that's a big part of it. And I would also kind of along that same line, it's the same thing with training. When you're training, really taking into consideration how grateful we are or how much we have to be grateful for, you know, some people don't even have their arms or legs. If you can get down and do some push-ups, do some squats, whatever it is, that's a, that's an incredible gift. Some people aren't even born with those things. There's a lot of disabilities, a lot of illness, a lot of life circumstances that prevent people from being able to participate in the same activities that we're able to. So just being able to, work out and have a fully functioning body is so much to be grateful for. And in in that sense, in that kind of perspective, I look at every single repetition, every drop of sweat as a sacrifice, as a, you know, an expression of gratitude for me to be able to be in this body and to be able to participate in these activities and fully experience human life, like the way I, the way that I'm able to. So the spiritual component is a big part of all those things because I feel like it gratitude's huge really whether you believe in a god or not it's undeniable that there's a life force energy flowing through all things both you and I every single bite of any kind of food that we eat it has a, a divine life essence to it that fuels us and just being grateful for that you know i think that's i think there's a lot to be said for that yeah Dang, man. So you were talking about some like working out, right? Um, We talked about how to get into kind of eating, you know, a healthier lifestyle, right? What about for physicality and working out? How would you say someone could get started then? 
for someone that's completely green to it, never stepped foot in the gym, some people are a little nervous to do that. When I first started training, I was going to the YMCA and I remember getting under the barbell once to do some bench pressing. And I think I had like a 25 pound plate on either side of the bar and I got stuck under the bar and it was pathetic and hilarious. But you know what? That's part of the journey. Everyone's got to start somewhere. It's just natural. And also if you are going into the gym, don't be, don't be worried about what other people are going to think. Anyone who's judging you harshly, if you're overweight or underweight, their opinions don't matter. You know, those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. People are going to be, the majority of people are going to are going to see you in the gym and be like, fuck yeah, that guy's getting after it again. Whether you're, you know, a bit obese or a bit underweight, either way, they're going to see you going in there, putting in the reps in. It's hardest at the beginning. The hardest part is getting it off the ground, especially if you're out of shape. It's tough. Trust me. I know I was a skinny motherfucker and it was tough. Like I was winded all the time because I was smoking a lot and it wasn't good. And so I think uh, just having the right attitude going into the gym is going to be huge. Just, you know, Put your head down, just do the work. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. And if you're too intimidated to go to the gym, push-ups. Push-ups are available yeah. to everyone all the time. You know what I mean? You if can you always find a bar, drop down. right? Some yep. pull-ups. Absolutely. Yep. Just yeah. working your way up. Start small. Just just start moving, going for runs, all that stuff. It doesn't don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Keep it simple, especially at first. Do you still do like smoke weed or drink or anything like that? I do drink a very occasionally. I really, I'm not a big fan of alcohol, but I definitely think that it has its place as well. It's, it's fun sometimes to get a little loose and enjoy a libation with friends. You know what I mean? It's a good way to, like I said, loosen up and it just, uh, you know, there's healthy ways yeah. to do everything. I do drink occasionally and, um, yeah, I do. I smoke. I, I usually have a, a little spliff before bed at night. Oh, nice. Man. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about balance. How do you maintain a healthy balance from training, from eating, and then, you know, kind of leisure and pleasure. So everyone's different in that regard. Um, a lot of people stress balance. And for some people, it's important. For some people, you can't really be worried about balance. For instance, I don't expect everyone to go train jujitsu five nights a week on top of, you know, lifting weights and training calisthenics and all this other stuff. I, I like to think I'm pretty disciplined with my diet and my fitness routine, but that's just me. You know what I mean? Not everyone wants to cook all their own meals and do all the cleanup and everything, all the shopping that comes with it. Some people want a more simple, easy route. They want to order some food online or they want to go to a restaurant, pick it up, or they don't want to train every day, whatever. That's fine. Everyone's different. My lifestyle, I'm not... I'm not sure it is exactly balanced because I train a lot. And you know what I mean? I go pretty hard on food and... And sometimes I, I battle with that myself, you know what I mean? Especially when it comes to like drinking and partying, a lot of the times I'll I'll bypass that just to go home and cook myself my own dinner and go to sleep at a, you know, earlier hour. But at the same time, we're all going to die. So you might as well make some memories and go out and enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think it, you, you really got to find your own way, play around with things. There's no doubt that by cooking your own meals and, and working out regularly as much as little that as, as that is consistency is, is key. So doing those things, you're going to feel a lot better. You can't go out and party and drink every single fucking night or honestly, like even every weekend that stuff adds up. There's, there's compound effects to those things. 
but um, it's okay to do it every now and then. I think it's important. It's important to enjoy our life here on, on planet Earth. No, the next day is never guaranteed. The next moment's never guaranteed. A meteor could come crashing through the roof and take us out right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Would you be... Would you be glad? Like, would you really be so concerned about all, all the sleep you got and hitting all your macros and all that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, no. When you're on your deathbed, you're going to remember all the good times and all the times with people that, that you shared with people that you love. Yeah. So those things are important. And I think I think that's kind of, as far as balance goes, that's, a, that's important. You know, and I think it's important to balance those things out in a certain way, but also do what makes you happy. If yeah. partying all the, you know, in, in, in a healthy way, like do what, do what is... Not just what makes you happy, honestly, but what's most fulfilling to you. Dude, you said that so well. Like, bringing the perspective that, yeah, maybe not everyone wants to train. Like, you don't have to train, you know, do what makes you happy. So, I'm glad you have the perspective instead of, you know, like, feeling you have to be that, like, savior. As opposed to, as as a opposition to that, you're just trying to help people. You're trying to spread whoever is actually looking for this information. So, that's pretty rad, man. Yeah, you can't force these ideologies on anyone. I just... I personally, I live my life in a certain way. I've reaped innumerable health benefits, both physically and mentally from it. And so I think, you know, there's tons of benefit to it. It's something I want to share with the world. And like you said, for those with the ears to listen to it. And um, yeah, that's a, that's, that's just a big, a big part of it is just having, you know, health and fitness diet, all this stuff, nutrition, it helps us to live a higher quality of life. Everyone's everyone's going to live their life, but what quality of life do you want? Do you really do you want to get the most out of it? You know, if you do, like just by by regular exercise and a healthy whole food diet, you're just going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You know what I mean? You're going to have more energy to do just everyday things, whether that's partying, you know, making love to your woman, whatever it is. Like you're going to have more energy, more vital life force flowing through you than if you're just like neglecting your health, you know what yeah. I mean? So I think it's important. I think just that that quality of life is really what it's all about. Nice. And you mentioned you trained. You do like jujitsu, right? Yeah. What has that brought to your life? And and what is it for people that don't know? Jiu-jitsu is a martial art focused on grappling, submission grappling specifically. So things like arm locks, chokes, stuff like that versus uh, striking martial art like taekwondo, or boxing. And so, yeah, I love, I love, uh, I love jiu-jitsu. I'm super grateful for it. I really, I started that right along the same time that I started my other physical endeavors, like just regular strength training and, and other kinds of working out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go hand in hand, really. I think there's not really much point in getting stronger in the gym if you're not actually practicing some sort of combat sport because it carries right over to it and personally i think as a man it's it's our duty to practice those things because you know men are are born leaders and we're here to protect and to provide and part of that is knowing how to handle yourself in a physical confrontation and being prepared to do that having the confidence to do it and jiu-jitsu has brought me so much more than that so yeah it's a it's a huge part of my life to be honest i don't talk much about it but it's a it's a big part of my life i love it i'll always do it yeah dude you train three to five days dude you recently or maybe not so recently you got your blue belt huh yeah a couple years ago i got my blue belt it's been years yeah a couple years i think it was december 2021 i got it yeah yeah yeah. 
how did that feel? What was the journey from a blue belt to, I mean, a white belt to a blue belt? To be honest, like at our gym, you know how we train. You've trained with us a couple yeah, times. You could shut it out if you want. Yeah, for sure. Transition Jiu-Jitsu in Goleta, California. Stop by. First class is free. <laughs> Best training in town, hands down. Toughest rounds. Hell yeah. Come by. Come train. Come get your ass kicked. Come kick ass. It's good for you. Um, yeah, so honestly, <clears throat> we don't do... Um, our coach doesn't, doesn't do stripes on the belts or anything like that. He promotes you when he sees fit. And... I don't really worry about belt color too much or promotion. You know what I mean? I think that's for, that's for the sensei, for the teacher, for the master to decide when you get the next thing. And of course it, it's a nice, a nice sort of pat on the back. It, it's a good kind of signifier of progress, but it's a long journey, man. I'm in it for the long haul. I don't care so much when I get my next belt or when I get my next promotion or any of that, really, I'm, I'm in it to, to better myself. And so I know that stepping on the mats as a fresh white belt, you know, you know, nothing yeah. you're there to learn, you know what I mean? And dude, so getting injured, dude, that shit sucks. Like when yeah. you kind of don't know, and then you like fall and you're like, Oh dang, like I felt something pop. <laughs> yeah. No fun, but it's part of the journey. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you've rolled with like some black belts or some like, you know, higher belts. What's it like when you, when they, when you like you go versus them rather than someone that kind of on your level, how does that feel? It's, it's a great learning experience. You know what I mean? And it's also very humbling because if you say you're a few months in or a couple of years in to training and you're going with some, you know, some fresh white belts, you're going to be all over them. You're going to have a lot more of an understanding of where to move your body and how to, you know, all the different moves. And so you're actually going to learn a lot more, I would say, by rolling with higher belts because they're really good at slowing things down. They have so much more control and such a deep understanding of the martial art that they can slow everything down and it gives you the opportunity, you know, a good teacher will will put you in a position and and make you try and figure out for yourself how to get out of it, you know, and and sometimes they'll help kind of walk you through it when you're in that position. And so there's a lot to be gained from rolling with higher belts. It's not just like you don't just go in there and and smash people. You got to get smashed too. You know what I mean? You got to, you got to feel that pressure and go against someone who knows what they're doing. And you learn a lot, a lot that way. Yeah. And I saw you competed on one instance, I believe. How was that competing? I did a couple competitions. Um, the year I got my white belt, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, the competition is, that's a great aspect of the sport. I really didn't get into jujitsu for the sake of like practicing a sport or competing at all. It just kind of came, like I said, I kind of got into jujitsu because I felt like it was a part of my moral obligation as a man to practice something like that. And especially if I'm going to be training in the gym, you know, it's important to learn those other things as well. Martial arts, some kind of combat sport. And so I got into it for that reason, but then I just got hooked and, um, training or, uh, competing kind of just came naturally. I actually remember one time, uh, one of my buddies who also trains with us at the gym, he asked me if I ever considered competing. This was real early on in my journey. And I was like, huh, I don't know. I never even really thought about it. And then one day my coach was like, oh, you should do this tournament. And I was like, sure. You know what I mean? Do the gym proud, get out there and put it to the test on the battlefield. Because 
in the gym, you're training with the same guys pretty much all the time, right? So you get to kind of know each other's game. You get to know the moves that they prefer and kind of their own style. But then when you go and compete, you're competing with people from all these other different gyms from all over the country or all over the world sometimes. So it gives you an opportunity to, to roll with new, new bodies, new training styles. You know what I mean? Different techniques. Yeah. Some gyms like really like leg locks and things like that. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I think, uh, competing, competing is a great way to learn a great way to go put your, your skills to the test, whether you come out on top or not, it's going to be a learning experience. So I personally love it. Um, my first tournament, I got second and I don't think I had ever been more disappointed in myself. And, um, so it, it made me more hungry. I went back the second time a couple months later and I took the gold and that was Dude, a good feeling. No way. Were so you a blue belt already or a white belt? I was a white belt at oh, that nice. time. Yeah. yeah. I got my blue belt few months later that year whoa dang that's sick dude to see like you know hard work paying off yeah absolutely it feels good and you know again that's kind of that's the crucible it's kind of the ultimate test to see how what you've learned applies yeah. you know what did I mean? you win by a submission i won on the the one that i got gold yeah yeah I won my first match on submission and the second one i won by points oh, nice. i wanted the submission but yeah yeah time ran out but i have more points so still took w that's dope dude holy shit and for a while dude you're you're glass blowing right yeah how'd you how'd you even get into that that's a funny story um at the time that i discovered glass blowing i was smoking a lot of weed like it's you know it's funny to say looking back but that's the journey um that was like, dude, all I really cared about was like smoking weed. I don't know why. I just loved it so much. You know what I mean? Whether it was an escape or whatever. And um, I've always had artistic inclinations from a young age. I've always loved to draw. I've taken different art classes growing up. And um, honestly, I thought sculpt, I always thought sculpture was really cool. Creating something three-dimensional that you can hold and look at. I always really appreciated sculpture. And so I always drew for fun, but never really pursued it. And then uh, one day... I went into a, a glass gallery a couple doors down from my dad's store. Shout out Fusion Glass Gallery. They're my boys now. Really good people. Incredible art on display. I went in there to get a new downstem for my bong. And they have basically, it's a gallery. You know, it's not just a head shop. It's a, it's a glass gallery. So they had some really incredible pieces on display, sculptural works of art that were also functional glass pipes. And so I was like, whoa, this exists. This is insane. I immediately fell in love and I started kind of collecting things at first, but then I was like, all right, this is really expensive. I want to do this though. You know what I mean? I love art. I want to make this stuff. And so that was how I kind of got into it. I got introduced to it from seeing pieces like that at Fusion. And then um, I just started saving my money. I was working at a restaurant as a busboy. I just started stacking my pennies and working up you know, enough of a little cushion to buy some equipment because it's pretty expensive. And so, yep, bought some equipment, started playing around, watching YouTube videos and just figuring it out for myself. Yeah, dude, I've seen one of your pieces. It was insane. Like the sculpting behind it. How do you get it to, you know, look look like something, you know, was it the one that was holding like a mushroom or something and still you could use it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun challenge to be making something that's not only sculptural, but has a function as well, especially when it comes to pipes, you know, it has to work well. 
it's not just the fact that it functions as a pipe, it has to function well as a pipe. So it's kind of like this little engineering aspect that goes into it on top of the sculptural thing. And not all pieces are necessarily sculptural. Some of them are just a natural, you know, a normal pipe or a bong shape, but they're still beautifully artistic, different patterns and, you know, things like that. I always liked the sculptural aspect. So that's always kind of something I went for, but, uh, it, it's, it provides a really fun challenge trying to make something both sculpturally appealing as well as functionally sound. Yeah. Dang. And what do you do in the process of like the coloring? Like, is that an after effect thing that you guys do? Like you guys paint it or something or someone else paints it? No, it's uh, all of, it's all just glass. And so there's companies that produce colored glass, you know what I mean? So it's just like, if you were a painter, you can go and you get your different colors of paint and you use that to paint your 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 masterpiece and so it's the same thing with glass in a sense you you can buy different colors but there's also a technique where it's called uh fuming and so you start with just clear glass and you actually incorporate pure gold and pure silver into the glass you vaporize it onto the glass and then you use more clear glass to manipulate it and create patterns and designs and colors that way as well. Yeah. And you know, I'm not sure why, but you know, it's called glass blowing. I've seen some guy like actually blowing into the glass from the, like the, the stick that you guys use, right. They blow into it and then like expands. Uh-huh. Is that why it's called that? Or is that different? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the foundation of glass blowing. Um, it sounds like what you're referring to is like traditional offhand furnace work where yeah, they heat all yeah. the glass they up. They have it in down like in Milpas, right? Have you yep. seen that spot? Yeah. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, that guy's name is actually Sal too, which oh, is no funny. Way? Yeah. 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 He's uh he teaches some classes there, I believe. And so that's uh that's the traditional method of glass blowing. What I do is a little different. I use a torch mm. and it's like bench bench work. So Whoa. it's all torch work. Um I heat the glass up. I I buy the materials in like tube and rod form and then I heat that up in my torch and use my torch flame to manipulate the glass to get it to a liquid so you can move it around and make things. Yeah. And you were saying you don't do it as much anymore? No, it's actually been a couple of years since I've made any glass. Dang. And why? A big part of it was because I just started getting much more into physical training and I wanted to devote more of my time to that. And glass blowing is a, it's a very physical pursuit in the sense that it's, it's laborious. It takes a lot of time to complete a piece and things break, you know, you could be at the end of a piece and it could all just break fall on the floor like one one false move and a crack goes through the whole piece and you know there's hours of your time down the drain are materials expensive yeah the whole process is pretty expensive honestly and and none of that none of that was like the main thing honestly i just i just shifted shifted interests i uh, the more the deeper i got into training the more that became my priority and so I still love glass. It is definitely has a special place in my heart. Dude, and, and you were talented, bro. Like thanks, your glass bro. page. Oh my God. Dude, all <laughs> the like little pipes, the little with with the one that was holding the mushroom, is that was that a bong or a yeah. bubbler? It was a little bong. It's probably That's like crazy. seven, eight, nine inches tall. Yeah, dude. And that when it has like that artwork, doesn't it go like that's where it gets very expensive when when it's also like an art piece, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was um 
that was a vision I had that I wanted to complete. And so I brought that to fruition. I was really stoked on that more uh, um, from a visual sculptural perspective than anything, but it's also a highly functional piece as well. Did you do that on your own or with someone else? No, that was a solo piece. Yeah. That thing's sick, dude. Thank you. And that was all self-taught for the most part. Yeah. Most of, uh, most of my glass was self-taught, especially early on. But I think maybe like three or four years into it, I actually had the opportunity to rent a shop space from a couple of guys that are pretty high level. And so I have to absolutely give credit to them because it wasn't so much that I took lessons or anything like that, but just being in the same shop as them, they're very open with their knowledge as well. I could sit there and watch them as much as I wanted. So having that influence was huge. I learned a lot watching those guys. I even collaborated with them a couple of times. And so that was huge. You know what I mean? I, I, it's not, like I started out on my own in the beginning, but it's hard to say self-taught. Like there's, there's been a lot of, yeah. a lot of influence along the way, especially sharing a shop with like high level guys. Yeah. Like you were saying about with rolling with killers, you know, you're just going <gasps> to iron sharpens iron, you know? Absolutely. hundred percent. Dang, That's crazy. So you don't think you're, you're going to go back to that field? Not as a career choice, mm. not as a career path. No. But um, you can make good money with that. Right. Or no. It's it's all right. I mean, it just depends on how you run. It's like any other business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some artists thrive. Some artists are really good at marketing themselves. Some yeah. some artists are really good at blowing glass, but they suck at marketing themselves and selling and they're not businessmen. So oh, they don't dang. really make, you know, a great, <laughs> they might make a living, but they're not making like great money off of yeah. anything. But it just depends on where your passion's at, you know, yeah. depends on your level of passion and, and also how much you approach it from a business perspective. I don't want to do it like that. Yeah. I'm sure I'll pick up the torch again someday and make some pieces, but it's going to be for fun. It's going to be out of pure joy, purely from the heart. I don't really want to do it for money. Nice. It's just something I like. I like making art. I'm a creator naturally, inherently. And so I just want to do it for that reason, just as a, a divine expression, just to have fun and, and, and create. Yeah. So in regards to a career, are you looking for a career? Are you looking for like a passion that, that you want to go into that will, you know, sustain your lifestyle? Yeah, certainly. Right now I'm kind of just navigating as things unfold before me. Um, I think there's massive opportunity on the internet right now. There's, there's so many ways to, it's kind of a meme, but make money online. And, and that's, that's huge. You know what I mean? The, the world has changed since yeah, I'm like I'm finally monetized now. I'm doing ads for Spotify. I'm Beautiful. like getting like sponsored and stuff. <laughs> Good man, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. There's there's so, so many opportunities so out many, there. Dude, yeah, it's right there for the taking. So there's definitely lots of possibilities to explore there, and uh, just generally like I just want to I want to provide something of true, lasting, meaningful value to the world. And so right now I'm just really focused on on getting myself right, you know, personal development, health, fitness, stuff like that. And any little aspects of that, that I can share with the world, I'm happy to do so. And, you know, making money along the way is, is a beautiful thing. Hell yeah, dude. And how, how old are you? 28. 28. Dang. So you were born like 90, 92, 94, 94, 94. Hell yeah. What, did you notice a difference growing up as a child, like through like elementary, going into junior high, into high school, Versus what like modern day society looks like for people growing up now. There's definitely a difference. Although I also didn't 
go to public school really? until seventh grade. Yeah, I was homeschooled no throughout my whole early childhood. Yeah. How did that impact you? Uh, it was it was huge, man. Really? It was huge. Yeah. And I think it was a, a big part of kind of why I had this natural interest in health and food because my mom was like pretty old school and traditional growing up. Like she would shoot all, all home cooked meals. You know, she would even like Damn. bake her own bread and stuff like that. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty all time. That had a big influence on me. She didn't let us eat a whole lot of candy, drink a lot of yeah. soda. We didn't have like sugary cereals and stuff like that for a long, long time growing up. And um, so the homeschooling thing, I personally, I'm I'm really grateful for it. I think it was. I think it's a beautiful thing, especially if you know your parents have the time for it. It's it's a great way to to have a, you know have a good intimate bonding connection between parents and children. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for homeschooling. I think that the school system is completely corrupt now too. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of pitfalls in it, especially these days. Like there's a lot of um, political agendas being pushed in school, which it, it has nothing to do with like a yeah. child's education. I don't think any of that stuff should be a part of what kids are learning at school these days anyway. Yeah. But also if you look back on it, um, school Public school was developed around the time of the industrial revolution when there was more, when, when things kind of started moving away from every household kind of self-sustaining themselves, you know, like growing their own food and things like that. And it started shifting towards like a lot more large factories. And so what comes with large factories is they need assets, they need factory workers, and so the whole entire school system was actually modeled after factories and prisons where they just, you know, put these blank slates in young kids, you know, and they go and they fill their mind with all these ideas. Then they spit them out, expecting them to, you know, pursue these careers and, and whatever field, you know, that serves yeah. kind of the larger machine of globalist economy. Yeah, Damn, that's crazy. And did you grow up in this beer or where did you grow up? For the first half of my life, I grew up in Atlantic City, New Jersey. What? So yeah. you're from the East Coast? Yeah. That's I did a full-on coast-to-coast yeah. move when I was like 12, 13 years old. And so I was homeschooled growing up in New Jersey. I had a couple friends on the block. But um, when I went to public school for the first time in seventh grade, it was definitely a transition. Yeah. I wasn't a very socially adapt. I was kind of a, a shy kid. And when I went to public school... Yeah. In California? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of an interesting transition for me for sure. Yeah, is the East Coast completely different from the West Coast? I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways that it is, but it's still the United States, you know what I mean? It's it's still American culture. Mm -hmm. Um, They have their differences for sure, but that that wasn't a big part of it so much as like the jump into public public school was really the main difference for me of course the landscape's a lot different too it's a big move bro yeah Yeah, it's wild was it for like uh, your parents jobs or something you're just like a change a big part of it was uh my dad's business yeah he had a he had his jewelry business on the boardwalk in atlantic city and things just kind of started going downhill um business wasn't doing as well anymore there was you know there used to be it used to be a thriving economy on the boardwalk back there. Like when he was growing up, he inherited the business from his parents and people were just buying a lot more. They were spending money on more meaningful things. And nowadays it's a lot more like when I go back and visit, it's all these, you know, 
like lame joke t-shirts and like fucking, you know what I mean? Souvenirs and shit like that. It's just kind of like garbage now. You know what I mean? He he had a lot less serious buyers. And so a big part of it was um, moving a store out here where he felt like there was a better market for the things that he wanted to sell. But also I think even larger than that, along with uh, kind of the economy and everything, I think he wanted more opportunity for us as kids. You know, I have four siblings, Dang, so there I was a lot of us then. he had to look after. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted to see us thrive and, and you know, he wanted to, to give us opportunity. And I think, I think he succeeded bringing us out here for sure. Yeah. I do definitely. your siblings still live out here? My siblings are kind of all over the place right now. My oldest sister still lives back home in Atlantic city. Mm-hmm. And then my, my next oldest sister, she lives in Portland, Oregon. Dang. And then I'm the middle child. I still live here in Santa Barbara. My brother is down south little ways in um, Ventura. Yeah. Still pretty close. Yeah. And then my sister is in Buellton, so pretty close as well. We're yeah, but all, all over. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, we're a little scattered. Both of my parents still live here in Santa Barbara. Uh, but yeah, most of my immediate family is all back east. Yeah. Actually, all of them really now. That's crazy, dude. So we're about like at the hour range. Is there anything you want to like say that you think would be impactful or any, anything else? Health is wealth. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually. It's all one at the end of the day. So yeah, take care of yourself, eat good foods, train regularly, drink plenty of water, sleep well, spend time in nature, sweat, pray, meditate. Hell yeah, dude. You'll have a higher quality of life. Thank you so much for sharing, dude. Like I, I really enjoyed how, you know, you see it as like a benefit as opposed to feeling like you need to tell people and like force people to do something they don't want to do, you know? No, that's not what it's all about. Yeah. Everyone's an independent sentient being free to make their own choices (laughs) and live their life as they see fit. Fuck yeah, bro. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, bro. Thanks for having me, man. It was fun. Hell yeah. Thank you.